Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to help them get where they want to be. I am your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 48 of the podcast. And welcome back, everybody, to week three of the semester, if you are uh, playing along at home. And I have titled this episode, Procrastination, Break the Fucking Spell. And uh, I am really excited to talk about today's topic because of sort of how it came together for me. It's something I've uh, I've thought about for a while, and I just recently had something come into my life that sort of prompted me to be like, no, you should be talking about this. And I said, okay, universe, let me do that shit. So, yeah, let me go into that a little bit. So I had... um, I have always had this kind of aversive uh, relationship with procrastination because, uh, you know, it's it's present in my life as it is probably for most people to some degree. But it's something that I'm I'm hyper aware of and really try to fight a lot because <laughs> um, it sucks. You know, uh, I for me procrastination makes me feel unproductive, and when I feel unproductive, I start to feel. Uh, my self-image takes it, it goes into the shitter a little. It's like, oh, you know, you're not you're not as good as you say you are, or, you know, it, and it becomes like a cycle, of like I procrastinate more, I feel bad about myself, so I procrastinate more, you know, and things that I'm into just sort of fall off, and then you know a month later you look and you're like, ah, what happened? You know, um, I hate that feeling, and so just like that that cycle sort of perpetuates in the negative when you do get on a good roll of, you know, keeping on top of the things that you need to and, and not procrastinating, you know, the th- knowing that the thing you're going to procrastinate on is the, is probably the first thing you should be doing really does breed a sense of confidence and belief in yourself that can propel you forward. And so that is something that I'm really interested in. I've talked to my, my brother about it at times, um, and I'll, I'll reference him in a little while since it re- relates to the, uh, the title of this podcast and the intro music today. Um, so I, um, I've had these different, you know, thoughts about procrastination coming from different angles. You know, I have my own thoughts, and then I had listened to a podcast uh, a while back that really got me thinking in a different way about procrastination and I really thought I had it down and then just this week I was listening to an audiobook and the author presented some of his thoughts on procrastination I thought you know what those make it sort of a pattern now in my life you know I notice certain topics come up 
in completely unrelated themes or fields. So I'll hear something, you know, on a podcast about investing and then I'll see it like in the news in something unrelated, uh, you know, on social media. And then maybe I'll read about it in my studies at school. And it's like when I have a theme like that come up in multiple areas of my life that are seemingly unrelated, but in some way do relate, it makes me pay attention. It forces me to be like, wait a second, didn't I just think about this concept in a different way in this realm? And those to me are really um, insightful moments where you can kind of glean or learn a lot about yourself, about what you like and what your interests are and about what your feelings on certain things are. So it was that final thing this past week, I'll get to the uh, book in a little bit, that helped me kind of put it into focus like no I should be talking about procrastination because I need to be thinking about it more because he sort of you know put a different spin on it and has got me thinking about it again so before we get completely uh, into that let's procrastinate a little while uh, and do a, cu- a few quick things so my quick tip for this week is something that I feel like many students probably know and if so you know skip the next three minutes but so uh, I uh, was doing something recently in one of my classes and it, it occurred to me this person had no idea what how to use Boolean logic uh, when searching for articles in a database. And you also can use Boolean logic in, on the internet as well. What Boolean logic is, Boolean is B-O-O-L-E-A-N, is uh, it's, math, it's mathematics logic. Uh, and it basically is combining simple terms with and, or, or not. So an example might be, I might be looking for, let me give you an example. If I was doing a research paper on the impact of podcasting on students with mental health issues, you know, maybe something I'll do down the line. So if I was to do that, you every school has a database system pretty much that allows you to search different journals that the library will subscribe to and gives you access to the articles and so this is when you would use that is when you go into your library database and you would search so instead of searching putting all of that you know effective podcasting on college students with mental health issues into the first uh, search box I would break that up so first I would search podcasting you know and I would just do podcasting as a keyword and find all the articles and I usually would filter by full text articles like I only want the ones that I can actually read and find all those and it might be you know 30 million articles right and then you connect that term with an and and every database will be able to show you how to do this you know what's the boolean logic um so and and then i would do you know college students and what it would do then is search the original field of podcasts and look within that 30 million articles for articles about podcasting and uh college students and then it would you know filter it down and say oh there's 15 million articles of that and then i would add my third term you know mental health or mental illness and use that to filter in all those 15 million articles and it might get me down to you know 5,000. So Boolean logic is a really good way to really target the type of information you're looking for. Um, and you can also use it as or, instead of using and to include everything, you could say I wanna find this term or this term and it's gonna search and give you both pools. Um, or you could use 
the not term to specifically filter out things you do not want to search for. So if there's a term that you're using and it's very closely associated to another term, but you're not looking for, you're not looking for the information about that, you might exclude that. So I'm including a link in today's show notes, just a really simple breakdown of what Boolean logic is. Um, it's really uh, worth it to take, you know, 15 minutes to just kind of figure out within your school's library database website how to do it because it will save you so much time if you do a lot of um, searching for articles for research papers and whatnot. Um, if you don't write a lot of papers, you may not need this as much, but it's also helpful on the internet as well. Uh, Boolean logic works in Google search terms. So check it out. All right, let's get into our topic of the day from Reddit. And I have a uh, good one for you today. Here it is. Okay, this is kind of long, but I think it's important to read it all. So this is from Winter, Fall, Spring is the name of the poster. And it says, hi, please don't be mean and read all of it if you're going to comment. If you have nothing to say or if you just want to bash me, go away. Uh, we don't want to do any of that winter, fall, spring. We want to help. So I am a sophomore in high school and I'm basic, I was basically an overachiever. I was always shy, but I had a group of friends who I really didn't talk to, who I really don't talk to anymore because I have a hard time just connecting with people due to my childhood. I feel like I lack a lot of interpersonal skills and I'm going to going to CAPS. CAPS is the um, counseling center at Rutgers. So I actually did not find this on the uh, college Reddit subreddit. I found it on the Rutgers subreddit. Um, so just to note that. So they went to CAPS, which is the Rutgers uh, counseling center, to get a diagnosis for ADHD and depression and maybe anxiety. Uh, they went to a doctor and she thinks I may have these and advised me to see a psychiatrist. Her parents refused. But right now, even with taking not too many credits, I'm so stressed out. The honors college requires a 3.5 GPA. God help me if I'm going to be kicked out, which would be very embarrassing. Another issue is my resume is trash. Haven't done anything since high school, so how will I get into med school? I still, I'm still undeclared and forget about the CBN major. I'm not sure what that is. I need something to do well in, as I was thinking, psych, but it seems complicated too. What if I don't get into medical school and I'm stuck with a psych degree? I'm going to be homeless. Barely made any friends, and that's because of my social anxiety. I'm just so depressed, I have no motivation to do anything, and if I get kicked out of the honors college and lose my scholarship, I'll literally die. I just don't know what to do with myself. I can't focus, I don't know how to study properly, GPA is trash, no resume, barely any friends and do not have the mental strength to do so either. Medical school is out of reach, and I still have a little hope. I just need advice. My parents are so strict, and I'm hiding caps from them, hiding everything. My only close friend I pushed away, so I only have my sister that I'm comfortable with. I didn't tell everything to the CAPS psychologist about my issues, like relating to people, but it's just embarrassing to talk about. I'm not ugly or anything. I look very normal. I know some people will tell me to go get help and I'm suicidal or whatever, but I just want advice. I will not be taking a semester or year off. It's not possible. I just don't want to major in something like sociology that's not very useful, so I could use some major-related advice. I know this is hard to follow, but please try. I feel hopeless. Okay, so what stood out about this post to me is how many issues or problems this person was able to cram into that uh, that one post there. So, and I pulled them out. 
so in that post I pulled out and uh, found this person identified problems with interpersonal skills so that's like relating to another person stress grades their resume their major money their future their lack of friends social anxiety depression motivation worried she'll die don't know what to do with self problems with focus studying strict parents and hopelessness so if you are counting at home that's 17 problems and of course you know certain ones relate to one another right so you could kind of group some of them like mental health or something uh, and group you know social anxiety and depression and stress and hopelessness um, so first off I want to congratulate this person winter fall spring on, on getting this all out right um, it takes a lot to just you know, come clean with yourself, so to speak. Even if you did it behind the anonymity of the internet, uh, it's totally fine. I suspect that after typing all this out, you've probably felt better, would be my guess. It felt good to kind of get it all out if you have had a lack of people to really talk about it with. And you mentioned you tried to go to the counseling center. You, you did go, but you didn't tell them everything. Um, so... Here's what I would advise. Um, you're looking for career advice, you said, but I'm just going to give some general advice. So first off, my my first piece of advice would be to keep writing down your thoughts. You know, if you are new to this and, you know, you haven't kind of did this kind of brain dump like you just did on Reddit, um, keep doing it. Keep a personal journal and write it whenever you feel really stressed. And I guarantee it will get you not only feeling less stressed, because you just sort of get it out even because if you don't have a lot of friends then getting it out somewhere you know is the next best thing if you can't talk about it with somebody you can sort of get it out on paper or onto you know into a word document or something and it feels good um, trust me like I said if that felt good to get out then you probably will feel good um, continuing to do it so keep writing because it will reduce your stress and it will help you really determine what you do want I can't stress it enough. Okay, number two, you, you identified 17 issues. There may be more or less, but my suggestion is to start with like one or two of these, right? Which one is going to lead to the most benefit in the other areas, right? So let me give you an example. If, you know, stress was the major issue, right? If that was the underlying thing that kind of drives everything else, getting help with the stress should lead all of a bunch of the other issues to maybe not go away but to get a little easier to manage right because you have those now coping strategies in place right so i would say pick one of these things the thing that you feel like is the most important issue for you right now and start working on that one start writing about it set a goal about it you know, make it small. Doesn't I, I don't want it to be big because then it becomes unrealistic and unmanageable and then you'll feel even more shitty when you don't achieve it. Make it manageable to start out. All right? Then on the other hand, then sort of unrelated. So that's really my general advice is to keep writing down your thoughts. Pick one of these worries, numerous worries you've detailed and start working on that. And then these other two things are sort of just general life advice not related to this is you, you should tell your psychiatrist or your therapist everything that's going on. If there's if you can't be straight with them, 
there's really no reason to be going. Um, that's what they're there for. They're not there to judge. They're certainly not there to tell your parents. Um, they're there to help you and to kind of help with these feelings that you may not have felt before and you might feel really bad feeling um, for the first time if you don't have a lot of experience in the, you know, getting help for you know mental health issues. So talk to CAPS, tell them everything. And the last thing that relates to your parents is just, I don't mean to be harsh, but the fact that you're an adult now, the fact that I'm guessing you're over 18, means you get to give a sh less shits about your parents' strictness, right? I understand if you're under their roof, you still need to deal if you're dependent on them, but you have to, you get to deal less and you get to decide if you don't want to deal with their strictness that you have other options now. And I don't, you know, really want to hear you don't because you're an adult. You do. You can leave. You could be independent. You don't have to listen to them anymore. So that's just some overarching advice. And I, you know, don't claim to know your particular situation with your parents. Um, the awesome thing is that I had looked at this a couple days ago when I was uh, searching for something to talk about. And I think she came back, the poster, and talked and gave an edit, like an update. And this is what she said, I will try to attend tutoring and there is academic coaching. I'll, if I get my grades in order, I'll feel a bit better. I also want to get a part-time job to help my resume. I'd like to volunteer somewhere or join an organization that's like med that's medical related, but I didn't find one last year that I liked, but I'll try again this weekend. So she sort of took the people's advice that, uh, that gave her it and that was awesome people gave good advice and I think she sort of did what I'm suggesting here she picked one thing the first the, the 10 tutoring and coaching right she's going to work on the grades because she it looks like she seems to feel like if I get my grades in order and she can because she said she was an overachiever like this is you know certainly within her reach if she gets her grades in order she's going to start feeling better about herself right the depression should subside um, and that might require, right, learning study skills, learning how to focus better. So those are two things I would suggest they talk to the academic coach or the tutor about. If she feels, if she gets her grades in order, she'll feel better. And then a part-time job will help the resume, which is awesome, but it will also help with what, right? It's going to help with money. Uh, and it's going to help with, you know, sort of determining, like, do I really want to be maybe in med school, um, if it's a job in the medical field. If she decides to volunteer in the medical field and, um, as well, or instead, that's going to help with determining her future as well. Figuring out what she likes, what she doesn't like, and if you could save that, if you could figure that out before meds, before actually starting to enroll and pay for med school, it's such a, such a much, you come out uh, so much further ahead. So I know you can do it winter, spring, fall. <laughs> Get on it and uh, let us know how it goes this semester. All right. Okay. So now we will get into today's topic, the evil procrastination monster, as I called it back in episode 33. I touched on procrastination a little bit in my interview with Zachary Sexton. Um, but I continue to think about this topic uh, a great deal. And I've started to read into some research. I was, I'm writing a, working on an article for a research, uh, like a publication with my mentor. And 
it's led us into reading some of the research on procrastination. And so I will link to this article in the show notes today, but some of the things that uh, came out of the, the little literature review they did on procrastination is procrastination increases, and this is research-backed. Um, maybe not a ton of it, but it's definitely been looked at, and that's why it was in this journal. Procrastination increases when students fear failure related to prospects of goal achievement. So if people are have set a goal and they're worried that they're not going to be able to achieve it, you know, they have some doubt in themselves, they're going to be more likely to procrastinate on following through and achieving that goal. That makes sense to me, and it probably does to you too. Think about a time when you've had a goal, but you were really afraid of failing, and it impacted your ability to actually follow through on the steps needed to achieve the goal. It's happened to me, uh, and I've talked about this before. I had the, the quitters episode, uh, I think last semester, where I talked about how you know there's dignity in failure, and this idea that you know Americans aren't quitters and stuff is sort of a little outdated in that you shouldn't pursue things that you know in your heart are not actually leading you to where you want to be. You know, we make mistakes, we try things we don't like, and we shouldn't feel the urge to follow through on them just because we, you know, we said we would. There are certain things, right, you do want to um, keep your word, right? If you talk to, you know, give a commitment to friends, but I'm talking about, like, in this case, going back to our poster, like, you know, this person made a decision, they wanted to go to med school, you know, when they were in junior high, and here they are now in, in undergrad, and they're, they're really doubting their, their goal of med school because they're afraid, afraid of, of failing. Um, it's going to procrastinate, make them procrastinate on following through and doing the things you need, like, you know, getting your resume in order. So I can totally relate to that. Um, and then procrastination also increases when the pursuit of the goal is aversive to students. Aversive meaning causing avoidance of a thing, situation, or behavior by using an unpleasant or punishing stimulus. Um, so if a person is averse to pursuing the goal, they're also going to procrastinate, right? I won't spend too much time on that. It makes sense. And then lastly, when students doubt their abilities to perform the task, procrastination increases as well. So this idea is like, I don't really know if I could do that. I've never done it before. I know I need to do it, but uh, if I screw up, I'm not going to feel good about myself. So I'm just going to do all these other things that I am confident about instead. So <laughs> the great thing that I learned about all this is like those things didn't surprise me, right? When we fear failure, when we're averse to achieving a goal, or when we doubt our abilities to achieve the goal, we're going to procrastinate more. So how do we fix this, right? As an instructor, I'm really interested in this. And as a podcaster trying to help people with mental health issues set and achieve goals, I'm very interested in this, right? Because I know what procrastination feels like. I know that school or life in general gets in the way of the things that we really want to do sometimes. And that's why I, that's the main number one reason I started this podcast. So how do we fix it? Well, what this one article I read says is that when an assignment or a goal or something is presented in concrete terms, 
students procrastinate less, right? So if you are my students, right, and I am your instructor, and I say, all right, today's assignment is blah, 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 and I gave a description that's very vague, right? You're going to look at me and go, uh, Instructor Malinzak? I don't know what the F you're talking about. Or you might not, right? You might look at everybody else and they're nodding their heads and you're like, oh, I guess everybody else knows what they're doing here. And you do not ask. You go home and you say, man, I really don't know what he wants. <laughs> what are you going to do? Chances are you're probably not going to jump on starting to work on it, right? If you don't know what I'm looking for. What would be helpful there is to not procrastinate on following up to get clarification to get the more concrete terms like what exactly do you mean because the sooner you get that the sooner you will actually get started on the vague assignment that has now been made more clear right so when an assignment is presented in concrete terms people procrastinate less so that's just a piece of advice in that if you have something on your to-do list and this happens to me still and i know this but picture those things that have been on your to-do list for like over a month now, right? They might be just low priority things that you really want to get to, but you just haven't had the goddamn time yet. Or my suspicion is they're things you really are not liking, to, like you're avoiding it because you hate doing it, or it's unclear to you. And this happens to me a lot. I'll have something on there. I'll be like, this thing on my to-do list hasn't moved in a week or a month or two months why is when I take a look, why is it really on there? And it usually comes down to, I either don't want to do it, and I just have to, or I'm really not actually clear on it. It's not concrete to me, and it stayed on there because I don't know how to act on it. And that's mainly usually what the case is, and I have to think about, okay, how can I get more clarification? How can I make this more concrete? So that's one way to do it, is to ask people if you are, if you're involved, if you're invested in somebody else's goal, and their clarification is sort of hinging on your ability to, to complete it, you know, get that shit clarified. Um, and if it's just for yourself, clarify for yourself what you mean. All right. Here's some things that procrastination has been shown by research to be negatively correlated with. So negative correlation means as procrastination increases, these things go down, right? So as procrastination increases, task completion rate decreases less things get done exam final exam grades negative correlation so the more you procrastinate the lower your final exam grade the lower your overall course grade the lower your well-being so you'll have more guilt more discomfort the more you procrastinate um, I saw it described in an article and this is a quote as a form of short-term mood repair that comes at the cost of future self-esteem and I just love that quote because that's really what procrastination is, right? Think about it. You are laying in bed and your alarm goes off really early in the morning. And you're like, oh, I have to get up because I have to do this, whatever it is. And you lay in bed and you're like, I really would like to procrastinate now. I don't want to do it. So you set off, you turn off your alarm and you go back to bed. What have you done there? Look back to my quote, a form of short-term mood repair. So that's what that was. In the short term, I repaired my mood by shutting off my damn alarm and going back to bed. But it came at the cost of future self-esteem. When you wake up from that sleep and you think about, damn, I set my alarm, I actually woke up, 
and then made the decision to procrastinate and go back to bed. Your self-esteem is not going to be better. No, it's going to be worse. You're probably not going to feel very good about yourself. And that is going to perpetuate itself until you get that thing done. So that's a really good thing to remember is that when you procrastinate, just know, know what you're doing. What you're doing is basically you're going to fix your mood in the short term, but at the expense of your self-esteem in the long term. All right. And think about how you're going to feel at the end of the semester if it's things procrastinating, procrastination related to, you know, um, assignments or, you know, school related stuff. Uh, procrastination is positively correlated with stress. So that means as procrastination increases, stress increases. Right. So you might feel like, ah, I, I'm so stressed, I can't get this stuff done. But actually getting the stuff done will, in the long term, decrease the stress. So um, so that's sort of making the case for not procrastinating, right? All right, I've read this research, and it shows that there's all these bad health, like not only uh, negative outcomes related to school, but health, right? Um, if you're going to, if procrastination leads to bad self-esteem and stress and a lack of goal achievement, you know, those are not going to be good things for your, for your health long term, right? It might just be like short term in that, uh, whatever, I'll, I'll get better tomorrow. But if these are things that you are, are consistent patterns in your life, um, that is a worry, right? That being said... I listened to this, uh, again, it was actually Zachary Sexton's podcast, The Productivity Show, and I heard an article, uh, I'm sorry, an interview with this guy, Rory Vaden, I believe it was, and he is known for talking about procrastinating on purpose. Procrastinating on purpose? What? Say what? Um, P-O-P, pop. So what the hell does that mean, right? Why would you procrastinate on purpose? So I will explain his thoughts uh, as best I can and I have a infographic to sort of show it to you that I will include in today's show notes as well so what he says is that there are sort of five things that you do whenever you get tasks that come in to you right so it's like ah you know new task what do I have to do so there's th first there's three things you can try so you could try and eliminate the task so eliminating the task means, right, uh, no, I don't have to do this because I can, you know, do this other thing. If, you know, you get the task and you realize you actually don't have to do it. Or it's such a quick task, you can just eliminate it really fast, like do it in two to five minutes or something. I think he has a limit. It's like if you could do the task in a, this many minutes or less, just get it done rather than putting it on your to-do list. So eliminate the task is option one. If you can't do that, think about ways you can automate, Right. Oh, I have this uh, bill I have to pay. Well, I can't eliminate the bill in that I actually do have to pay it, <laughs> right? So if you had gotten the bill and you're like, oh, but I actually made these returns, so I, I don't have to pay this bill after all. That would be some version of eliminating it. It's like, oh, this task I thought I had to do, but I, it turns out I don't. Um, if that's not possible, then you have to eliminate the bill by paying it, right? So you could just pay it if it was something you could do in five minutes. Um, great, if you had the money. Maybe you don't have the money, right? It's like, ah, oh, I can't eliminate this now. But I can automate it, maybe, which means I know I'll have the money in a week. Let me set up my payment to go in two weeks, and that way I can cross it off my list and I have don't have to think about it again. And furthermore, you know what? 
maybe I'll automate this as a monthly thing so it pays it every month at the same day and I never really have to worry about it again. Oh, even better. I've done that to all my bills. It's a great feeling. So that's option two. If you can't eliminate it, think about ways you can automate the task. And then if you can't do that, delegate it. So is there somebody else you could get to do this task for you? Sometimes there is, right? Sometimes you have friends that you know might be able to help you out with certain tasks, probably not paying a bill, um, but there are different things related to school and work that you might be able to say, hey, I have this task, but I know I can get help, so I'm gonna delegate it to somebody else, all right? Eliminate, automate, delegate. And then if you can't do those three things, then it really does end up being on you, right? So then you have two options. You can either concentrate on it now, it's like, uh, all right, I'm just going to bang this out or I'm going to procrastinate and do it later. So it's like, okay, this is going on, you know, a to-do list to procrastinate and run through the funnel again at a later time. It's called the focus funnel is the way uh, Vaden described it. And it says, you know, at the, uh, the biggest things, you know, as you get smaller from eliminate to automate to delegate, the options become less to do those things. Um, but procrastinating on purpose, just saying, all right, I'm going to do wait and do this, say, or look at this again in a week. And then again, I might be able to eliminate it, automate it, delegate it, or just plain concentrate on it now and get her done. <laughs> so that is a really interesting model to me because it doesn't actually advocate procrastinating in general. Because procrastinating in general, say, I'm not even going to run my tasks through this funnel, right? I'm not even going to consider what I should do with it. I'll just, you know, go on playing my video games or eating my pretzels or whatever, playing with my dog. Um, whatever your procrastination uh, tool is. But this is like a conscious decision-making, a decision tree of sorts to say, all right, I, um, I can do this, this, or this, or you know what, I can't do any of those things, in which case I'm going to wait and do this at another time. And I think that's actually kind of a good idea in certain cases. After I listened to that podcast, I started thinking about it, and there were things that I had done that I didn't actually have to do yet. And it turned out, I, instead of saving me time, it cost me more time because I could have I popped. I could have procrastinated on purpose on that, and it would have like in this case, it would have led to me gaining a little more information that would have proved useful in the way that I ended up making the decision. So that is one aspect on procrastination that you may not have heard on heard of, and I do recommend you checking out Rory Vaden and uh, the link I will have today's show notes. And then the last thing I want to talk about related to procrastination is... A book I am listening to now by an author named Nassim Nicholas Taleb, uh, and he is um, he's a brilliant guy. He wrote The Black Swan a number of years ago, and it became a very famous book about uh, about risk, risk management, and this idea that um, a black swan event is one that you basically can't prepare for, or you can't, um, it doesn't work in being able to determine chance or randomness of an event occurring. Um, so the newest book that he wrote, and it's not exactly new, it's from, I believe, 2012, is his book called Anti-Fragile. And it is a very tough book. Uh, you know, I'm getting through it 
slowly, and it's a very long book, but um, it is blowing my mind in some ways. And he talks about all sorts of things, and I'm not going to really talk about the book because I think I might do another whole episode on the podcast about it. What I just want to do is give a quote about procrastination that he believes. And his quote is this. Few understand that procrastination is our natural defense, letting things take care of themselves and exercise their anti-fragility. It results from some ecological or naturalistic wisdom and is not always bad. At an existential level, it is my body rebelling against its entrapment. That's interesting, right? So his idea is that when your body is telling you, you know what, procrastinate on this. He's saying that this is a natural defense and it's basically saying you may want to wait on that a little while because if you do wait, there's a chance things will actually take care of themselves and you won't have to do uh, do that task. Um, and that might be through anti-fragility. And that's, that's again, this term that it would be hard to define in a short amount, but I'll attempt to do it. So if you think of something that's fragile, like a vase, the opposite of it in his term would be anti-fragile in that when it's stressed, like, you know, like if you threw a vase against a, against the street, it would break. An anti-fragile vase, if you threw it against the street, would actually become stronger. Uh, not break. It wouldn't be resilient. It would actually get. It would actually improve in some way or get stronger. So, I really am intrigued by this idea of procrastination being a natural defense and your body telling you something. I don't think that it's altogether true. Um, he says it's not always bad. Now, if I think about it, um, this will be the final example before I get into the home exercise. Right? A lot of people procrastinate when it comes to their health, right? Um, they don't want to take care of themselves in terms of they eat poorly, bad eating habits, they don't eat nutritiously, or they don't exercise. And I think that the tendency to procrastinate there, I don't think that this will work, right? If you're like, oh, I'll exercise tomorrow, you know what, I'm gonna wait until things take care of themselves before I exercise. Or I'm gonna wait for you know the wisdom of nature to tell me like the solution to the problem instead of exercising. In those cases, if you are really procrastinating on something that's related to your health, it's important to, to know that like it's such a small effect, right? Choosing not to exercise on one particular day, that it's hard to actually see the consequences of that until it's too late. And the, like the environment is another example of this too that actually Talib brings up to say, not when it came to procrastination, but when it came to interventionism, you know, telling other people what to do. It's like the environment is one where it's like, you, we may actually all need to get together and tell each other what to do because we harm it so little every day that you don't see the consequences until it's too late. And you can't go back and just like, you know, after it's already broken and, and fix the environment. Um, so... I think about exercise and to people out there that might be procrastinating on that and my advice there would be okay what does exercise mean to you if you're thinking exercise is like going to the gym yeah I can understand why you procrastinate because the gym fucking sucks <laughs> for the vast majority of people they hate going to the gym so what does exercise mean to you and like this is for me 
what I figured out was, you know what? I don't, I don't like going to the gym. I don't really like running or lifting weights or any of that crap. Um, but I loved spending time with my dog. And that was something I was, I, I did not need to, it never occurred to me to procrastinate. It's like, eh, I don't feel like playing with my dog right now. I'm going to procrastinate on that shit. No, I was always up for really playing with my dog. So I started taking pickles, my dog, for walks. And it became a routine. And then the routine aspect helps on the days when, you know what, now that it's a habit, playing with my dog isn't as exciting as it was in the beginning, but it's already part of my routine. And so I'm just going to do it because I do it every day. <laughs> um, and then you start to see the effects of, you know, it was playing with my dog, which was the, ended up being exercise. And now I exercise, you know, twice a day. We go on walks at least 20 minutes. You know, I'm kind of like, not out of breath, but I'm, you know, I could feel myself breathing laboriously at the end of it and know that, you know, it is a little thing I'm doing that is helping me with my health every single day that isn't hard. It's not something that I feel the need to procrastinate on really ever um, because it's part of a routine that I have and it's because I don't actually think of it as exercise. I think of it as spending time with my dog. So sometimes it's just reframing what it is you're trying to do in a way that might suit you better. So with that, uh, we are going to wrap up now. Uh, our home exercise for this week is to, well, it relates to procrastination, right? Uh, take something that you've been procrastinating on and put it to bed. And that's in quotes. So it might mean a few things, right? Depending on what it is. You might either just do it, get it finally done, and then thank me later. <laughs> Or figure out why you're not doing it and take care of that issue, right? Is it something that's just really not concrete? Like you're really unsure of how to proceed? In which case, get the clarification that you need. Um, or it might be something that you can pop on, right? Procrastinate on purpose. Don't do it and be fine with the fact that you've changed directions or you're going to do it another time because it's not really due yet. Is it something you can automate? You know, so that maybe you do it again, but this will be the last time you do it. Is it something you can maybe delegate to say, hey, you know, we work on this together. Can you do this this month and I'll do it next month? You know, it's something you're invested in with somebody else. Um, or is it something that you are able to just, you know, put your faith in nature as Talib does and let things take care of themselves? Maybe. Uh, as I discussed with things like exercise, though, it's probably not the best advice for that kind of thing. So, so address some of your procrastination, whether it be making the thing more concrete, coming to terms of why you're not doing it, and you might just decide that that's not something you want to do anymore, um, or make an appointment or, or schedule yourself to procrastinate in a sense and, and take care of that thing at another time because it's really not due yet. So... With that, uh, that is the end of today's episode. Uh, you guys may have noticed some new intro and outro music. Uh, this is just a one-time thing. I, I chose the intro music. Oh, it's, they're both songs are by the same band. It's a band called Gogol Bordello. Uh, my favorite gypsy punk band, I guess. Um, and the intro music is, is the song Break the Spell. And I had the pleasure of seeing Gogo Bordello a few years ago with my brother. And we were just so blown away. If you really appreciate live music, 
um, I would suggest going to see these guys because they put on a hell of a show. <laughs> oh man, they are amazing live band. Um, and we were blown away by them. And this song, in, the song in particular, "Break the Spell," had special meaning for us. And now we text each other this "Break the Spell" when we are trying to motivate each other to not procrastinate. Right? Breaking the spell to us means. You know what? You're under the spell of procrastination, the spell of, you know, the day-to-day doing what you think you have to do. Break that fucking spell and do the things that are important to you, the things that you've been putting off that are meaningful to you, that are really going to get you the life that you want, the goals that you dream of. Um, So break the fucking spell, everybody. Take a page out of Derek and Matt's book, and whenever you are struggling, think of that term. We use it as a hashtag as well. Hashtag break the spell. <laughs> and uh, I will leave you today. Uh, this song uh, is another Gogo Bordello song that just um, whole wonderlust means a lot to me. So hope you enjoy it. Uh, with that, kick ass today, guys. I'll be coming back at you next week for week four of the College Student Success Podcast. Um, get at it, guys. Achieve those goals. Peace. But I'm a wonderlust king. I stay on the run Let me out Let me be gone In the world Beat up Rosian I saw you History of a time New history of
the one that last came.